it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only you give life sing it you give life you are love you bring light darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour Good morning, Harmony. Would you stand up with us this morning? We have a lot to be thankful for this morning. Sing with me right here. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind, there's no one like you, none like you. Into the darkness you shine, out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, none like you. God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome power, our God, our God. Water you turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind, there's no one like you, none like you. Into the darkness you shine, out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, none like you. God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome And 
if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Then what could stand again? Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God. Uh, sing that chorus again. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand again? If what could stand again? Awesome singing this morning. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. We are uh, glad that you're here. If you are joining us in person or online, we want to thank you for gathering with us and, and being a part of what's taking place here at Harmony. Well, if you've been following along, you know that we're doing 28 acts of prayer. That's just one chapter of acts a day, taking a moment to pray and, and uh, uh, talk about some of the things that you read in that chapter with the Lord and say, God, uh, would you let my life be more of what you want it to be? And I promise it'll only take a couple of minutes uh, as you do that each day, and it is more than worth it. In the early church, here's what we discover in the book of Acts. They prayed and the gospel went viral. And I don't know about you, but I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. I believe that the gospel is the answer to man's greatest need, our culture's deepest problems, and we as a church have an opportunity to help offset that by praying and becoming more of what God wants us to be. Well, with that in mind, we've got some incredible opportunities that are coming up here in the very near future. Just uh, talked uh, with Becky Reagan yesterday, and she's going to be leading a prayer workshop on Saturday, February the 12th, I believe it is, that, that we have that nailed down, uh, Saturday, February the 12th, over in Founders Chapel, and uh, it's going to be an incredible time to come together and, and experience a prayer workshop off of a, a book that she has written entitled Legacy Prayers. If you want to learn more about prayer, uh, praying scriptures, letting prayer impact your life and the lives of others, be looking for information uh, about that. I know it's going to be a great time uh, together as we have that opportunity. I also want to let the ladies know that Aspire Women's Events uh, will be here uh, in March, and that is uh, Saturday, March the 12th. Uh, they're going to be gathering right here. Uh, a comedian, a Bible teacher, and worship leader are coming with Aspire, and all those details will be being shared on social media, our website, and different opportunities this week, and we want to encourage you uh, to be a part of that event. Well, today... 
we have an incredible opportunity. Now, how many of you are doing all right so far this morning? Just, just slip your hand up. Let, let me know that you're, you're, you're with me. I know that uh, we've had some snow. I know that some favorite football teams are no longer in the, the playoffs. Um, don't want to point anybody out, but like up in that northeastern part of the states, there, there's somebody there that fell off the, the wagon last night, uh, and, and we've got so, some others. Maybe there's some reasons to, to be down and discouraged today, but here's a truth. No matter what we're experiencing and no matter what's taking place, Jesus is still on the throne, and he is our hope, and he's the hope of the world. So today, we have the opportunity in just a little bit. Dr. David Nelms with the Timothy Initiative is going to come uh, and speak, and I'll come and, and introduce him uh, when, when we're ready for that. But uh, I, I want to tell you something. Several years ago, uh, we had the opportunity to start planning churches through the Liberty Church Network, and uh, we got to meet Dr. Nelms through that process and, and became friends with the Timothy Initiative, and, and, and him, him, he himself, his family, they're incredible people, and I believe that today is going to be a, a complete and total blessing, uh, and, and we're going to want to to experience more of the Timothy Initiative uh, after today in our hearts and lives. So that'll be taking place uh, in just a, a few minutes. Uh, we're going to stand together, we're going to sing a couple of uh, more songs, and we're going to ask God uh, to meet with us uh, and, and do what only he can do. But before we do that, we're going to open in prayer, and uh, we're going to ask God to comfort some hearts uh, for, for some that are grieving, for some uh, that are just walking through uh, struggles, and um, we're going to ask God to uh, bless in our service today as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today, and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we come to you, and, and we just ask you uh, to be with us. Lord, I know that there is a sickness uh, that, that's taken place, and, and many people can't be here today. They're watching online, and, and Lord, we thank you for the technology that allows us to do that, and, and not just when people are sick, but for, for every time that we can connect uh, in that way. And today, Lord, I just ask that you will be with those that are sick that can't be here. Lord, I, I think of the Chambers family is Judy Perry passed away, and her funeral will be this Tuesday uh, over at, at Parkside, uh, Tuesday morning. Um, the, the viewing and, and all the details uh, that, that have to be taken care of, God, I just ask that you will, will comfort that family, that you will work in, in their hearts and lives, and God, that you uh, will, will bless them during this incredible, difficult time. Lord, I think of Charlotte Manette as uh, she's walking through the loss of of losing Leon. Lord, we thank you for him. We loved him and, and we served with him. Uh, and he served with us faithfully for so many years. But Lord, he's now with you. His faith has uh, become sight. Uh, he's experiencing hope that we could only dream of. And he's experiencing perfect love that we often have read about in your word. But now he knows face to face. Lord, we ask you to be with those families and, and so many others that are struggling. I think of Mary Harris and I think of others that have, have lost loved ones. They've lost a spouse. They've lost a, a parent. Lord, for those that are just struggling with, with life this week and, and the issues of life and the struggles of life, God, I ask that you would make yourself real to us today, that you would make yourself real to them. And Father, when we leave this place, I pray that you would help us to be changed by you. Lord, we thank you for those that were baptized last Sunday. We thank you for those who came to Christ last Sunday. You're doing great things. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see your hand at work and be encouraged 
and empowered to go and share our faith and to be disciples that make disciples. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us one more time? I'm thankful standing here this morning that we can go to prayer, that we can take our burdens to God because he wants us to. And he's promised to be there with us even into the end. And the same power that he gave back on the cross is still available to us today. And the Great Commission says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. That same power is here this morning. So let's just lift our voices this morning. Thank God for what he's doing in your life. I can see the waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out. We will not be overtaken. We will not be
Sing this from your heart this morning. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. He's working all things out. Yes, I will. Today, as we gather to worship, we have a, an incredible uh, opportunity today. You know, several years ago, I told you we, we uh, partnered with the, the Liberty Baptist Fellowship that changed to Liberty Church Network uh, seven, eight, maybe nine years ago now, and, and uh, we've been uh, partners with them for a really, really long time. And uh, we started emphasizing discipleship and church planning, and we're finding out uh, all of these churches that uh, we're planning through that network all across the globe, and we're hearing really amazing stories, and we're like, how are we doing this? And uh, in one of the meetings, this guy right over here and his organization shows up, 
And they really began to change the heartbeat of our staff and, and really the heartbeat uh, of our church. They moved us from just trying to gather people on, on a Sunday and, and say, hey, we're, we're just going to have a crowd and whatever happens out of that crowd happens. It moved us to, to a point of saying, you know what, Jesus called us to make disciples that make disciples. And we made up our mind that we were going to focus on, on information that leads to life transformation for people like you, for people like me, for people that, that are online at home to share their faith with their neighbors, to share their faith with their coworkers, uh, so that we would begin to do what the Bible calls us to do, and that is to make disciples that make disciples. It was never God's intention for people to come in and just listen to me or another pastor once a week and pack it up and go home and then show up the next week and, and do the same thing. And, and uh, through the, the process of learning uh, Dr. Nelms's heart and learning more about the organization, uh, we, we uh, taught a class last uh, fall on disciples making disciples. We took uh, about 20 people, disciple makers that, that make disciples, through your DMD level one, and all 20 started and all 20 finished. And, and we were thankful uh, for that and uh, thankful that, that God uh, did that and, and allowed us to see how that could work in our hearts and in our lives. And now out of that group, we're looking to, to bring some other groups uh, because we believe over the, the next three years, we want to make a, 150 disciple makers out of our congregation. And that means people that are willing to share their faith, people that are willing to start a, a Bible study, people that are willing to engage with their friends, coworkers, uh, wherever they happen to be, and be able to go ahead and, and help them learn more about Christ. And that's one of our goals. In fact, this Wednesday evening, we're starting up another round of classes uh, in, entitled uh, What Every Christian Ought to Know. And, and again, we're not just uh, doing things so that you'll know it, it's so that you live it. And Doug Smith will be leading that over in Founders Chapel on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Incredible material, and I believe that it will help change our life and help you become more of what God wants us to become. But today, it is a distinct honor and privilege to have Dr. David Nelms, the president and founder of the Timothy Initiative, with us. And uh, I want to tell you something. He's a missionary's missionary. He's a church planner's church planner. He is a, a pastor to pastors. He's a friend uh, to the kingdom of, of God. And uh, we are honored to have him here with us today. Let's welcome Dr. Nelms. Well, I am just so excited to be back with you guys. I was here about, a, I don't know, John, how long ago was it? A year or so? year and a half, yeah. I, I, I know I preached about a half hour too long, so I'm shocked I got invited back, okay? <laughs> In fact, I rarely get invited back anywhere a second time, so I'm really glad to be here. I love this place. It's, there's, a, there's a family feel here. I, I feel like I'm with a bunch of brothers and sisters, and I think that's what church is supposed to be. We all, we, we all have the same father, amen? So if my father is your father, that makes us brothers and sisters. And I just like everything about this place. I love Pastor John. He's got the nicest, kindest. He has a kind face, okay? I have a face that scares little babies, okay? But he has a nice, kind face. Love his smile. I was telling uh, Doug and Joetta this morning, uh, he just has a great smile, and I love everything about this place. I love, uh, you've got some church pins 
that are really nice. I kind of collect church pens. Actually, I steal them everywhere I go, John, because I'm always losing mine. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to this one if that's okay. You have great pens. Listen, I, I don't want to be uh, crude, but I even like your bathroom. you got a great bathroom, okay? I kind of judge church. I'm in a different church every day in my life. I kind of judge churches by the bathroom, and yours is very nice. So if you need to get up during the sermon, I will certainly understand. But seriously, you've become a great partner. You guys partnered with another uh, like-minded church in the Indy area, and over the last year, between the two of you, you have raised enough funds to plant a little over 100 churches, over 100 churches in parts of the world where there are just very few churches. I mean, very, very few. I was talking to Doug this morning. Doug, I don't know if you're in here. I don't see you. But he pastored in a little town not too far away, about 1,000 people, six churches in the town or 2,000 people, whatever. Uh, where we're planting your churches, there are no churches. There's never been a church. They just they don't know who Jesus is. And so I want to thank you on behalf of a lot of people. The people that are going to be reached from that 100 churches will fill up this room several times, okay? And they're going to be in heaven one day, and you're going to meet them. And you're going to be glad. You're going to really be excited when you get to meet those people. So on behalf of, of a whole lot of people, many have already come to Christ. Some will be coming to Christ over the next few months. Thank you so much. And Pastor John, thank you for the privilege to be on your team and to be in partnership with you guys here. I want to uh, f- speak to you today on the subject of, well, let me, let me back up a second. The, these churches you're starting, I want you to, get an understanding of what they look like. Go ahead and put up the first slide, if you would. This is a mountain church. This is actually in the country where we've been putting most of your funds. They're up in the Himalayas. Is that a view or what? Uh, Just a group. I've been there. I've seen that little church. You just climb up the mountain as as far as you can go, and then you come to a little clearing, and there's some houses there, and a little church has been started So when we talk about starting churches, that's kind of what we're talking about right there. And then look at the next slide. This would be a house church. That was a mountain church. This is a house church. It's meeting somebody's uh, little open area there in the house. You can see the steps going upstairs or sitting on the steps. And uh, we've started these things by the tens of thousands all over the world. This is what we've been investing your funds with. These were all uh, former Hindus or Muslims here. And the last group were Buddhists or Hindus. And so this is what we've been investing, where we've been investing your money. Look at the next slide. This would be a tree church. I like this one. We have these all over Africa, all over North Africa, just, just by the thousands and thousands. And so the entire village comes to Christ. I mean, everybody, everybody comes to Christ. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Everybody. You say, how can that be? Because they were never rejecting Jesus. They didn't know who he was. Do you know why they didn't know who he was? Nobody had ever told them. That's why. How in the world can you call on somebody you've never believed in? And how can you believe in somebody you've never heard of? And how can you hear unless somebody tells you? And how can they tell you unless somebody sends them? That's what Paul asked us in Romans 10. These guys weren't rejecting Jesus. They had no idea who he was. 
And so when we talk about starting churches with you guys and partnership with you, and by the way, we means you. TTI can't do anything without you. Uh, TTI totally, you're, you're the guy, you're the people that are pouring the fuel on the fire. So when we, we start churches, this is kind of the idea of what we're doing. Now, because we work in Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist parts of the world, not only is there a lot of poverty and not only is the pandemic there like it is here, but there's a lot of persecution. And I can't begin to, I would take all of my time this morning if I begin telling you a story. Listen, just a couple of months ago, in one day, we had four different people in the same region put in jail. One of them was a widow. And all four of them were put in jail for sharing Christ with others. Three of them were released on bond. They've got to go back for the court hearing. But you know what? They are guilty. They were sharing Christ with others. And they're going to end up being put back in jail because of it. The little widow, I don't know if she's out of jail yet, okay? And so that's, those are the kind of areas that we're working in. And, and I was telling your pastor this morning, I'm so grateful for the funding that you've given. But as much as we need the funding, we need the prayer even more. We are working in parts of the world that, that just, I mean, people, they pay for their faith. They, they shed their blood, and in many cases they die. And we need uh, wh- where you can help the ministry that we're involved in more than any other way is through prayer. And so on your way out today, there's a table right, right back in the back here. On your way out, if you'll take a moment and stop and fill out the card and just drop it in the basket that's there, we will send you prayer requests about once a month. And we just ask that you pray over them and then delete the prayer request. Don't ever forward it or post it on social media. Just pray and delete. That's all we want you to do. Some of you are already on the prayer team. You've already been praying. Thank you. For others of you who are not, please, please uh, grab the card. Take just a moment. And those of you at home online, you've, you've got the slide there. You can, you can go online and fill it out yourself. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of our turn our turn. It's our turn. In Revelation 5, 9, there's an incredible verse. This verse tells us that one day Christ's followers, Jesus worshipers, will be gathered around the throne of Jesus Christ worshiping him. You and I will be in that setting. What this verse is talking about, we will be there. But in that verse, we're told that there won't just be people there from Indiana or Kentucky or believe it or not, Illinois, okay? There will be people there from literally every tribe, every language, every people group, every nation. The task will finally be fulfilled. It will finally be finished. But how? How do we go from uh, nobody knowing about Jesus 2,000 years ago to billions and billions of people being gathered around the throne from every tribe, every language, every people group, every nation. How will that happen? Well, first of all, let's go back 2,000 years. First of all, it was His turn, our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 4 says, The Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. He kind of got the ball rolling. All the way to the cross, He did what His Father sent Him to do. He did his part. He did it perfectly. He was the perfect sacrifice, the spotless, sinless 
Lamb of God. Hebrews says, as he entered this world, he came saying, I delight to do your will, O my God. He never violated his father's will. I have violated my father's will many times. He never violated his father's will. He did every single thing his father sent him to this earth to do. He loved his father with all of his heart. And when he had shed every drop of blood that was required for him to shed, to, to spill, only then did he shout out in victory, it is finished. First, it was his turn. Then, it was their turn. I'm talking about his immediate followers, those first century believers. First, uh, first, uh, John chapter 20, verse 21 Jesus, after the resurrection, gathered his followers together. There weren't many of them. And here's what he said. He said, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And now Jesus said, he sent me to save this world. Now I'm sending you to tell the world that the Father sent me to be their Savior. Well, those early believers, my goodness, they got the job done. Yes, they had some ups and downs. Yes, we tend to romanticize that first century church as if they were like uh, uh, super Christians, if you will. Yes, uh, uh, we're guilty of that. But And yes, I understand they did have some problems. But my goodness, my goodness, they got the job done. Can I run through some verses from the book of Acts? I'm glad about your Acts uh, emphasis. Book of Acts is my favorite book of the Bible. Acts 5 28 says they filled Jerusalem with their teaching. Wouldn't it be something if this church right here could fill the greater Indy area with the teaching of Jesus Christ? In Acts 5 42 it says daily in the temple and from house to house they, the people, never ceased teaching and preaching that Jesus was the Christ. It was everybody, everywhere, every day talking about Jesus. You say, how do you fill up a city with your teaching? I'll tell you how you do it. Everybody, everywhere, every day talking about Jesus. That's what they did according to the Bible. In Acts 8, in verse 4, when persecution came, they had to run for their lives. They were scattered. They lost their homes. They lost their businesses. They lost everywhere they went, everything they had. But everywhere they went, you say, David, what were they doing? Did they get mad at God and say, God, I served you faithfully. How can you let this happen to me? No. Those that were scattered when persecution came, they went everywhere preaching the word. They are literally running for their lives with their families. But they stop and tell people about Jesus on the run. Acts 17, 6, by the time you get about 20, 30 years down the road, those early believers had come to be known as the people who had turned the world upside down. Nothing stopped them, not even the gates of hell. You say, well, David, they must have had a whole lot of resources. They must have had a whole lot of help. Let me tell you what they did not have. Listen very closely. They had no seminaries. No sanctuaries, no college degrees, no denominations. 
No computers. No committees. No airplanes. No automobiles. No buildings. Boards. Bylaws. Business meetings. Bible colleges. They didn't even have a Bible yet. Not a completed Bible. The Bible wasn't completed until 90 A.D., and the book of Acts closes out about 65 A.D. Not a single one of those early Christians you read about even had ever seen a completed copy of the Word of God. You say, well, David, how did they do it? How did they, get, how did they turn the world upside down? How did they fill Jerusalem with their doctrine? How did, they, how did they turn the world upside down? How did they do it? Well, Acts 1 verse 8 tells us how they did it. Filled with the Holy Spirit, they focused on witnessing for Jesus Christ here, near, and far. Filled with the Holy Spirit. You just sang a song. Uh, Pastor Dave had us sing it. The same Jesus, the, the, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the same Holy Spirit they had. Uh, Harmony, let me ask you a question. How many Holy Spirits are there? Come on, somebody tell me, how many Holy Spirits are there? Yeah, one Spirit. Uh, does the Holy Spirit die? Uh, does he get sick? What about kind of old and, and worn out? No. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that, that enabled those early believers to turn the world upside down, you have the same Holy Spirit living in you that they had in them. There's not more than one Spirit. There's one Holy Spirit. You have the exact same Holy Spirit living in you. You say, David, what's your point? My point is we can turn the world upside down too. Somebody say amen. Filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out proclaiming Jesus, making disciple makers everywhere, and may I remind you, in their day, everybody, every, every nation on the face of the earth was an unreached people group. In fact, they were all unengaged unreached people groups. Nobody had ever heard of Jesus anywhere. And yet they turned the world upside down. First it was his turn. Then it was their turn. Well, guess what? Now it's our turn. It's our turn. It is now our turn to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, first of all, the task is enormous. I'll be the first to admit that. We've got a slide here for you. 41% of the world is classified as an unreached people group, unreached. That means basically very few Christians among them. Some 3 billion people live in areas of the world that are classified as unreached. Most of them have no idea who Jesus is. There's approximately 7,000 people groups, 7,000 out of 17,000, according to the Joshua Project, that are classified as unreached people groups. To be an unreached people group, let me illustrate it in this auditorium here. The folks online can't see, but, but you can. Let this, let this auditorium here represent, let this worship center represent a people group and ethnicity. And let's let every one of these chairs represent a village of people. So there's about 400 villages that make up this people group. In this village, there may be 100 people. In this village, there may be 5,000 people. In this village, 3,000. In this village, 500. Each chair represents a group of people, a settlement that makes up this entire ethnicity. If you guys were an unreached people group, the Harmonyites, okay, if you were an unreached people group, there would be a church in this village right here and a church in this village right here 
in a church in this village right here and the rest of them, there would never have been a Christian presence. No body of believers who are following Jesus. They don't know who he is, never heard his name. 7,000 of the 17,000 people groups in the world are classified as unreached. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta is the birthplace of Coca-Cola. And if you guys want to put that next slide up for me, I used to be proud of that. Uh, I grew up, I mean, to me, Pepsi is a four-letter word, okay? Uh, I love Coca-Cola. I like, uh, I like Diet Coke. I like uh, Coke Zero. I even like Fresca, believe it or not, okay? Uh, I like it all. But there's something about Coca-Cola that drives me crazy. A bunch of men, some women, my phone's ringing. A bunch of men and some women sitting around a board or table in a boardroom downtown Atlanta, Georgia, figured out how to get their product to the ends of the earth. They did it in less than 200 years, and they did it for the love of money, for the love of the bottom line. I have never been any place where there's not Coca-Cola. I've had missionary after missionary when I make this statement say, you're right, let me tell you a story. I have never been any place. On the, I've been in 70 different countries. I've been to more rural villages than I can, could ever count. I mean, where we work, you take the main road to the secondary road, you take that road to the path, you take that road, that path to where there's nothing, and you just keep walking, and pretty soon you'll find a group of, of huts there, and there'll be 100 people living there, and they have no running water and no power, but there'll be two old men sitting under a tree drinking a Coca-Cola. And it's a hot Coca-Cola at that because they have no refrigeration. I don't know how they get their product to, to these places. I mean, you can climb the highest mountain, you can go into the deepest jungle, they will be drinking Coca-Cola. In less than 200 years, those business people figured out how to get their product to the ends of the earth for the love of money. It has taken the church of Jesus Christ 2,000 years and we still have not gotten our message to the ends of the earth for the love of our Father and for the love of lost souls. And what really bothers me is that what I just said doesn't bother us more than it bothers us. The task is enormous. I'll accept that. I want to show you a, a, a map if you'll put the next slide up. This is a map of the, that talks about the progress of the gospel by people groups where you see those red areas. And by the way, your churches you've been planning are in those red areas. And that's where we work. Basically, that red area is where we work. That's, that's the part of the world that's classified it where, where the bulk of your unreached people groups are. Take a good look at that map. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that I hope will break your heart. Only 3% of our missionaries work in that red area. To be fair, most of them, you can't get in there. You can't get in there as a missionary, at least, in most of those places. 
97% of our missionaries are in areas that are not classified as unreached. 99% of missionary dollars go to the green and yellow areas. One dollar out of every hundred that's given to missions goes to the 40, 41% of the world that's classified as unreached. Let me tell you a startling statistic. The average church member in the United States gives about 2.5% of their income to Jesus Christ. And that stat's about seven or eight years old. It's probably less. But about 2.5% of our income goes to Jesus Christ. Of that 2.5% of our income, less than 2% of what we give ends up out of the country going to the mission field, the non-United States mission field. So we're giving less than 2% of less than 2.5% goes to, that, uh, to the mission field in general, everything outside of the United States. Of that less than 2% of 2.5%, only 1% of it goes to that red area. When people ask me, why is so much of the world still unreached, I usually respond, I think I just told you why. Because we are trying to reach 41% of the world on 1% of less than 2% of 2.5% of what we make. It's not going to get it done that way, ladies and gentlemen. The task is enormous, but the task is also doable. It is very doable. I just got to believe if Coca-Cola can do it, the church can do it. I mean, I think even Pepsi can do it, amen? But if if if, if, if Coke can do it, the church can do it. And a major key, not the only key, but a major key is partnerships. You say, what do you, what do you mean? Well, there's an old African proverb, maybe you've heard it, it goes like this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. May I say it again? If you want to go fast, just go, just go quick, run, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. We can get this thing done if we do it together. We are better together. The Bible says two is better than one. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Jesus chose 12 and he spent his life discipling those guys, or three years of his life at least, discipling those guys. We, we must work together in partnerships with each other. So what is our plan? How do we do it? First it was his turn, then it was their turn, now it's our turn. How do we actually do it? You say, David, I accept it. I'm alive right now. I'm part of the body of Christ. Uh, the great commission is before us. We must do it. But, but how do we do it? Well, how about we start by following them, the New Testament church, just as they followed Jesus Christ. Look at this next verse, if you would. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Okay, now, Dave, is that you right there? I can't see these crazy lights. Can I use you as a sermon illustration, if you don't mind? Come on up here and just stand right down here, if you would. Just stand right here and face the crowd. And I'm going, to let you rep I'm going to let you represent Jesus, okay? Now, this is borderline blasphemy, I know. But I'm going to let you represent Jesus. Now, is this your daughter sitting next to you? Okay. All right. May I get you to come up here, too, if you don't mind? I don't want to embarrass you. And if I am, it's his fault. It's not my fault. 
okay? I'm going to let, now Dave, you look to the left here, Dave, if you would. You're, you're Jesus Christ, okay? Lord, forgive me. All right. And what's your name, ma'am? Teresa. Teresa. Okay, Teresa, thank you. Teresa, we're going to let you represent that first church, the New Testament Book of Acts Apostolic uh, Church. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to let you represent Paul. We'll just call you Pauline, okay? Or Paula. So, Paul, you, I want you to turn and face uh, Jesus here. So, Jesus started out, it was his turn. And, and then Paul came along and said, I'm following Jesus. I'm imitating Jesus. And then, John, why don't you come on up here, buddy? You're going to have to wake up there, but uh, come on. And Paul, or, uh, John's going to represent the church. So Jesus got it going. Paul said, Pauline says, I imitated Jesus. You imitate me. Now, uh, Dave, just walk like three steps, and you all follow him. Okay? Keep walking a little bit more. All right? Perfect. Do you, know, do you see what they're doing? Paul said, I imitated Christ. I followed him. Now, you follow me. Guess what? The rest of us, I won't pull any more of you because I know you're all scared. I'm going to ask you to come up here. But the rest of us are supposed to be right here. But guess where we are? Only God knows. But we're not right here. Thank you, guys. Y'all can be sick. Can you give them a big hand, please? Now, and I don't know if you can see that online or not, but I don't know. Uh, Paul said, follow me as I followed Christ. What, what's the solution? That. Just get in line. What Jesus did, Paul said, all right, that's what Jesus did. That's what I'm going to do. Now, Paul says to the church back there, 2,000 years, you get in line behind me. And, and I would say we get in line behind them. Specifically, though, we must follow them with a devotion to prayer. Acts 1 and verse 14. There must be a serious devotion to prayer, ladies and gentlemen. That first church, they, they, were, uh, they were devoted. They devoted themselves to prayer. We must pray. We must pray that, that uh, God would break our hearts over what breaks His. Take a look at your prayers. Are you praying just for what breaks your heart? Or are you praying over what breaks His heart? Which is it? There must be a devotion to, to prayer. Uh, there must be spirit-filled living and evangelism, Acts 4.31. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live like Jesus lived. Not perfect, but our feet will certainly be pointed the right direction. And Acts 4.31 says that when they were filled with the Spirit, they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Are we speaking the Word of God with boldness? If we're not, it's a good, a good chance it's because we're not, we, we, we have the Spirit living within us, but maybe we're not filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul said, I planted a polis water, but God gave the increase. Spirit of the living God fall fresh on me. That must be our prayer. What is the plan to get the job done? 
we must be devoted to prayer. We must be filled with the Spirit and Spirit-filled living and Spirit-filled evangelism. And finally, there must be obedience to the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The Great Commission is not build a big building. The Great Commission is not fill it up with people. The Great Commission is not learn some Bible verses. The Great Commission is to make disciples. And if you look at it closely, it's really make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That is the Great Commission. And the Great Commission was not given to pastors. When Jesus said these words, the church hadn't even been birthed yet. There was no day of Pentecost yet, or at least at at that time. There was not an ordained minister on the face of the earth when Jesus gave the Great Commission. He was not talking to ordained pastors. He was talking to followers of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is given to you. These guys' job is to equip you to do it. It's not their job to do it. It's their job to equip you to do it. It's our turn. When I say our turn, I don't mean Pastor John's turn. Our turn. We're up. We're at the plate. What are we going to do with that bat? Amen, Pastor? Getting quiet in here. First it was his turn. Then it was their turn. Now it's, it's our turn. The Great Commission is more than a command to be obeyed. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, it is a deep honor. It is a, it is a trust that has been given to us. Paul said that God is entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. You are more than embassy workers. This church building is the embassy. You are more than embassy workers. You are ambassadors. Paul said to the church at Corinth, which by the way was kind of half messed up, he looked at those people and he said, you are ambassadors. And I'm looking at at you church today and I'm saying to you, you are ambassadors. God has entrusted into your care the message of reconciliation. That is that people can be brought back into a righteous relationship with God. Church, are you willing to say today, it's our turn? We will commit ourselves to doing our part. Like a guy I know named Omar. I like Omar. He's the one on the left there. I met him in a refugee camp in northern Kenya. Refugee camp with, I don't know, probably 100,000 people living there. They're, they're all people that fled from Sudan and South Sudan. And Omar was a TTI Paul, and he started a training center and churches, started churches all through that refugee camp. There's a bunch of them up there in northern Kenya. And one day he came to us and he said, I, I want to go back to my home country, Sudan, and make disciples there, start churches and train Timothys. And I told him, I said, Omar, Sudan is under Sharia law. They won't like you doing that kind of stuff there. He got a big smile and he said, yes, I know. I said, Omar, if you start leading people to Christ and making disciples and starting churches, they're going to get upset with you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He had a big smile. He said, yes, I know. I said, Omar, they may kill you. And with this big smile on his face, he said, yes, I know. And he went back 
And it's about five years ago, and he started over 200 churches in a very difficult part of the world. Omar understands it's our turn. I'm thinking of a guy named David. David, uh, look next slide, David and his wife there. David was an, in the, uh, the army of the country he lived in. His wife, devoted Hindu, got sick, about to die. Hindu priests couldn't help, witch doctors couldn't help, doctors couldn't help, nobody could help. A Christian heard about it, came along and laid their hands on, on his wife's head and prayed for her in the name of Jesus and God saw fit to heal her. I know some of you may not believe in that, but the Bible says about Jesus, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he, he was the great physician, he is the great physician, and he'll always be the great physician. David was amazed that this God could do this for his wife. He became a follower of Jesus Christ. He became just, just passionate about leading people to Christ and making disciples. I've lost, time how many time, I lost count how many times this guy was beaten up. Uh, they, they arrested him. While he was in jail, they burnt his house to the ground. He assumed his wife and kids had been burnt alive because that's what often happens. When he finally got out of prison, he came back to his house, saw nothing but the remains, the ashes, and he sat down in the rubble and just began weeping. He just assumed his wife and kids had been burnt alive. A neighbor came and said, some of the brothers and sisters took your family and they whisked them away. They're about 100 miles from here. This man, every morning he gets up at 4 a.m. and he gets on his knees and he prays. Every morning he prays for two hours. I don't do that. David does. Every morning he prays for two hours. His primary prayer is for, that God will lead him to a person of peace, someone that will be receptive and open to the gospel. He is so convinced that God's going to lead, answer that prayer every day of his life that as soon as he gets up off of his knees, the first person he meets, he sees that he does not know that person. He assumes they are an answer to the prayer. And he begins telling them about Jesus Christ. He does that every day of his life. Every day. God has used that man and now his son to plant over 4,000 churches. You say, David, how do you plant 4,000 churches? You get on your knees every day at 4 o'clock. You pray that God will connect you to a person of peace. And you have so much faith that God's going to hear that prayer and answer it that the first person you meet, you just assume they're the answer to the prayer. That's a good way to start on planting 4,000 churches. David understands it's our turn. I'm thinking of a gal that can't read and write. I may have shared this story with you when I was here a year ago. She can't read and write. She wanted to join a training center, and we got books. It's hard to, hard to do it when you can't read and write. But the Paul's letter in anyway, in the first, in the first uh, four months, that gal led over 80 people to Jesus Christ. She can't even read and write. Everybody in this room can read and write, unless you're from Illinois, okay? Uh, everybody in this room, I shouldn't have said that. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, but everybody in this room can read and write, everybody. She can't. She's led over 80 people to the Lord. Imagine what we could do. Amen? The uh, illiterate gal, she understands it's our turn. Look at the next slide. Two blind men in, in a major Asian city. They have the, we gave them these little audio Bibles, a little uh, Faith Comes by Hearing. John, I think you're familiar with them. They give us a lot of those things, a great ministry. And they're blind. They can't see a thing, but they, 
they carry those audio Bibles downtown and they'll, they'll stand there till they can feel their senses, people around them, hear people around them. They'll turn on the Bible and the language of the people and people stop and gather and they hear the Word of God for the first time. They're blind, but they understand it's our turn. Don't have eyes, but I got ears I can hear if there's a crowd around. I don't have eyes, but I got feet that'll take me where the people are. I don't have eyes, but I've got a finger that can, that can push the little button and, and people can hear the Word of God. They understand it's our turn. Look at the next picture. These are uh, a little gal named Gita. I don't even have time to tell you her story, but her husband's tried to kill her several times. She, uh, every day she'll witness to somebody. If they don't get saved, she writes her name down in what she calls her prayer journal. It's a big old thick book. Every morning she gets up and prays over every one of those names. She has a little sandal shop, a little not much bigger than this platform here. And she keeps the Word of God on one of those audio Bibles. She plays the Scriptures all day long in, in her shop. You know how some shops play music? She plays the Scriptures. She's seen two or three people come to Christ who came into her little shop to buy sandals and they heard the Word of God and they th thought that they'd never heard it. They said, what is that? And she began to talk, tell them about Jesus Christ. Her husband called the police one night to kick her out of the house. She refused to leave and Two Hindu police officers came and said, pack your bags and get out. In that part of the world, women don't have a lot of rights. And she got in the face of those two Hindu police officers, and here's what she said. She said, my husband is a good man. He gets drunk, and when he gets drunk, he hits me, and he becomes very angry. He said, and she said, but no one loves my husband except me, and my husband will probably die and go to hell unless Jesus saves him. I've tried to tell him about Jesus, and, she, and he won't listen. Would you talk to my husband about Jesus? Maybe he'll listen to you. Two Hindu police officers. They turned, looked at each other. They never heard anything like that. They just turned and walked out of the house, left her there with her husband. That poor guy's doomed, amen? He's doomed. He's going to get saved whether he wants to or not. Gita understands it. He, he has put her in the hospital a couple of times. He's a bad man. But she's broken over his soul. Gita understands it. It's our turn. There's a bunch of widows in East Africa they got saved and they can't see a thing, but they hold hands and they start walking through the bush to the next village. Somehow they get there. And when they get there, they ask where the other widows are and they lead, they, th these blind widows lead other widows to Jesus Christ. They've led so many widows to the Lord that we've been able to start several churches from their converts. They, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you walk through the bush in East Africa and you can't even see, but they do it. They understand it's our turn. They understand if Coke can do it, the church can do it. They understand Jesus, the Father, sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. They understand as my Father sent me, even so send I you. They understand they've got the Holy Spirit living in them for a reason more than just to give them comfort and make them feel good. They understand who they are. They are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. They understand it's our turn. So who's in? Who's willing to pray? Who's willing to be filled with the Spirit and, and, and lead people to Christ and make disciples? It's our turn. We can do this. It's our turn. It's possible, ladies and gentlemen. It's our turn. But what that really means is it's my turn.
All together, I want you to read this last slide with me out loud, please. His turn, their turn, our turn. Read those last two words again. One more time. It's my turn. Thank you for the partnership. Help me pray, please. Pastor John, would you come and close the service as you see fit? It's an honor to work with you. God bless you. Today, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads. I just want to have a time of prayer. Maybe today as we are, are gathered here, you would, you would say, you know what, I've heard about this Jesus, but there's never been a time where I've accepted his invitation and his forgiveness to be my Savior. And today, maybe, maybe it's your day. Maybe right now is, is your time. Maybe right now you would just say, I would like to know him. How can I do that? He's already done everything that needs to be done. All you need to do is believe. And we always encourage people to, to pray a little prayer, and it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the belief behind the prayer. It's that action that causes you to, to say what I'm going to encourage you to say. Today, if you've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins and to be your Savior, but you'd like to, you got that want to in your heart, then right here, right now, no matter where you're at, Here's what I want to encourage you to do, to pray a little prayer from your heart to the heart of God that just says something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that there's something missing in my life, and it's you. So Jesus, the best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to be my Savior, and I'm asking you to help me learn more about you and to live my life for you to make it count. You pray a simple prayer like that with a faith that led you to, to pray it, then you're a child of God. He keeps his word. He said, whoever calls upon me will be saved. So today, if you've called upon him, if you've asked him to be your savior, he is your savior. He'll always do his part. So today, if you've prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. And please let us know. If you're online, let, let us know. If you're here, let us know. Stop by the Connection Center. Find myself, Dr. Nelms, somebody that's, that's up here in, in, in the band. Let us know. We want to help you learn more about Jesus who loved you and gave his life for you. Maybe you're here today and, and you say, John, I already know Christ, but those words, my turn, it's resonated in my heart because if some blind people can do it in a country where it's against the law to share their faith, I can do it right here. Maybe today, maybe that's what you would say. My prayer is that it'll be my turn. 
my turn to share my faith, my turn to live my life in a way that looks past the comforts and the cares and all the what ifs and all the worries and the excuses and just says, it's my turn to live my life for Christ. Imagine what we could do. The past couple of months, we've been talking about everyone, everywhere, every way. What would happen if every one of us would commit to reach every other person? Just just one person. But what if we would make a commitment to, to pray for the everyones that we know and every way that we can and everywhere that we're at that we strive to be a witness for Jesus? Imagine the change that would take place. Maybe today, your prayer is, God, it's my turn to do just that. Whatever it might be, I wanna encourage you to offer your prayer as I lead us in prayer. Lord, today we come to you and we thank you for the message that we've heard. Lord, you've blessed us with so much. You've given us so much. And Lord, we thank you for that. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to live like we're thankful, that you would help us, Lord, to share our faith, to be willing to stand out from the crowd and to be different in a good way, to tell people about you as we go about our day, to wake up early, to stay up late praying with a heart that's broken over the condition of the people that we know that don't know you. Lord, I just ask that you would work in such a way that you would help us to step forward as individuals and as a church and be willing to say, it's my turn. It's our turn. Lord, I pray that you'll change our hearts and change our lives with a message that has been given today. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. I want to thank you. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he 
will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, you're part of our Harmony online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.